Happy Orthodox Tank Crimes Day to those that celebrate and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham. And once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, a dream guest in celebration of Scotty Heath's incredible Tank Crimes records from the band Despise You, from the label Pessimizer and the zine Pessimizer. Chris Elder is here. This is a dream episode for me to get to do. I'm very excited for you to hear it. More on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to the email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker, normally extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham. But this one came together uh, under some different circumstances. I'll explain that in a second as well. And he will get the message to me. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Left for Damien to support the show. Tell all your friends about it. Let them all know that you enjoy this podcast because that is a great way to support it. Also rate it and uh, subscribe to it. Uh, there's a YouTube channel now. YouTube.com slash 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 uh, at turned out a punk. I also have a TikTok. And there's a, just my Instagram page, or my brother does the Turn Out of Punk Instagram page. And you can check out these little short videos that I'm making using past episodes of Turned Out of Punk. I think we've got about five. We, I, I've, I've done about five so far. They're all up there. Uh, check them out. They're also on the Facebook page uh, that Tristan does as well. And uh, let me know what you think. Hopefully you enjoy them. They're fun to make. And all right. Oh, I play in a band. We're called Fucked Up. We have a brand new record out right now called One Day. Thank you, everyone that has checked it out and gotten in touch and said whether or not you enjoyed it. Uh, I really do appreciate that. It's weird. It's definitely weird writing lyrics again, having all these things that kind of rattle around in your head out for the world to see. So uh, I appreciate the uh, kind words and I'm glad people are, you know, getting something out of it and responding to it in a way. Uh, but you can find out more information wherever you buy your records. It's on Merge Records. You can also head over to fuckedup.cc and find out information about our upcoming tour dates. We've announced tours in the UK with the unbelievable Big Cheese. We've got an incredible tour going on in America as well, East Coast of America with Restraining Order and Dark Thoughts. And, and, and there's going to be a lot of cool bands on those shows. And there's going to be another big tour announced, I think, this week that we're going to be doing. I don't want to say anything more about that, but that one I'm very excited about as well. So lots of stuff happening in Fucked Up land. Check out fuckedup.cc for more information. All right, on to today's show. And as it said off the top, this is a dream guest for me. Despise You is a band that I've loved for a very long time, way back when, when I first got the internet at my house and first got my own email address. That's how old I am. I wrote to Chris Elder. He was the very first person I wrote to. And uh, just wanted to talk to him about Despise You. Despise You is a band that I think anyone that grew up in the 90s and hardcore is very familiar with. Their splits were legendary, a band that was shrouded in mystery. I remember Noah Gadke, shout out to Gojira, an original member of Career Suicide, Noah Gadke, in his zine, I think it was called Extinction. He interviewed Despise You and just... I would pour over that interview, trying to glean information from it. Anyway, fast forward years later, got to see Despise You a couple times on the reunion. But honestly, I never thought this would happen. So fast forward, Chris Estrada from the incredible TV show, This Fool, was on Turned Out of Punk. Check out This Fool if you have not watched it yet. Check out Chris Estrada's episode. It's a fantastic, fantastic conversation with a, a righteous human being. Anyway, Chris Estrada 
talked about Despise You on his episode. And after that, Scotty Karate heard it and wrote to Chris Elder from Despise You and was like, yo, these guys talk about you on this episode. Scotty got in touch with me. I got in touch with Chris. Here we are. So thanks to, uh, I guess, Chris Estrada for the assist and Scotty Karate for the guest guest booking this week. And uh, yeah, this is is a dream, a dream come true. Once again, as I said off the top, there was Tank Crimes Day this week, a celebration of the great Tank Crimes records, which is what brought Chris Elder, who, because Despise You had their record reissued on Tank Crimes. And of course, Fucked Up has put up many, many put up, put out many, many records with Scotty Karate over the years, one of my best buds. So yeah, happy Tank Crimes Day. Thank you, Scotty, for making this happen. Thank you, Chris Estrada, for helping make this happen. And thank you, Chris Elder, for doing this. I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Check out that Despise You reissue. I think it's going to be back in print real soon on vinyl. Um, I think it's on all the streaming services until then. If you have not heard Despise You, hardcore for the hardcore. All right, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. This is a longer intro than I normally like to do. I got into this, got into telling you all the stories. Uh, But that is that. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Chris Elder on Turned Out a Punk. Chris, thank you so much for coming on this show. Uh, You're very welcome. Well, as I was just telling you off air, it's a huge thrill to have you. And I, I think I mentioned to you an email that you were one of the first people I ever sent an email to. So I'm, I'm glad to finally connect with you on a, uh, a vocal medium. That's cool, man. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, well, I got to start this off the way they all start off, which is, Chris, how'd you get in a punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across it? Um, so, like, before, like, before punk i mean like my parents were real real big into music and especially my mom um but uh i got uh a kid came into second grade with kiss alive one lp for show and tell and i was like tripped out on that record and he actually let me borrow it and um then i my mom i went to the record store and my mom got me kiss hotter than hell and dress to kill on cassette and that was kind of like my first my music you know like shit that that i that that i felt was mine and my parents didn't know it and they didn't like it and whatever but the first time but the first time i heard punk there was a show there was a show here in la on kmet 94 7 and it was called the dr domeno radio show and it was every sunday uh afternoon into the evening and i first heard he played hall it was the show was the show was like parody music and shit like that i mean that's where where weird al got his start from from that guy's show um and i heard uh, uh holiday in cambodia mm-hmm. that was the first that was the first i heard of of punk and i was like you know fuck that is that's way more fucking dark and different than anything i've heard you know to that point so i um i had an uncle that he was a he was an original um pacific ocean park surfer and and like a dog dog town guy he's from venice and i knew he was kind of like you know he was that that fucking you know uncle that was like not really like the traditional 
he was like, you know, doing his thing, doing his thing or whatever. And I, I knew he was, he was into shit like that kind of. So I started asking him about, I asked him about that song and, um, he, uh, he, sh- he gave me a couple Rodney on the rock cassettes. Uh, like Rodney on the rock was a, a, a Sunday night, Saturday or Sunday night show on K rock where they would play a punk. And um, he gave me a couple of those cassettes and he wrote down the bands and whatever. And that's where I first heard like Agent Orange and, and um, Black Flag and stuff. And so I, w- I was telling him like, you know, he's like, oh, check this shit out. Like, he lived like three houses down from, from us at the time. They moved to Inglewood um, at that time. And um, I started talking to him about like um, Black Flag and whatever. And we were, I was at their house. And he flips through his records and he gave me jealous again, the, the vinyl. And he goes, he, I remember he said, I'd never forget this. He goes, you got this one yet? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't have shit, dude. I, and he gave it to me and I took it home and I, I fucking wore it out, man. I was just like, fuck man. Like, that's so good. You know, like, and, um, so the, the, that was my, my first, you know, punk stuff was very early on dr demano show with the dead kennedys and then hearing rodney on the rock cassettes and then getting my first record my first punk record would be a uh, black flag jealous again from my uncle credited i think with some of his old photographs on the dogtown documentary not the not the uh there's there was a couple of them right the uh, one was like a story with actors, and then the, I think Stacy Peralta did a documentary. Yeah, originally it's that doc I think was that Stacy Peralta yeah, directed. I, I think he had a bunch of photos of that POP surf spot, which was like a it's like a Venice the pier amusement park thing that either burned down or it, or it got fucked up in a storm or something way back when. Yes, yeah, that infamous collapsed pier, right? And they said it was like the surfing, everyone surfed around it, but it was like truly well, death-defying. Well, there, there was two. The one you're probably thinking about is Redondo, was the original Redondo Beach Pier, and that that did like collapse. But yeah, they would like weave in and out of the fucking pillars that were holding <laughs> it up and stuff. Yeah, I, I never surfed, but like I've I, I seen it, uh, you know, back in the day. It's amazing how Dr. Demento you know like was just such a like you're saying like uh it was obviously a lot of novelty songs but it was a lot of people's first exposure to punk because it was one of the few places that would play you know something like the dead kennedys especially on radio yeah i mean it it made it made sense for the show because it was like it was like quirky or i mean songs a little quirky right you know Mm -hmm. um but um i just i just fucking that song really got my attention you know and it still does i mean i i know it's common and it's a fucking on video games or whatever but he really like i mean you know it's like with everything in music like you it's like what were you what, how old were you at the time what were you doing what were you going through you know like the music and and food it's like it might not be the best fucking meal but you 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 just won some fucking trophy and you had that meal and that's what you associate shit with you know it's all it makes it even better than it is almost you know yeah, and like even like today, by today's standards, like someone singing that directly about a political issue in that kind of confrontational way, like that that's even more aggressive and in your face than anything like Rage Against the Machine would wind up doing. Like there's still nothing that really kind of crosses that line. Dead Kennedys, even the name is is wild to yeah. think about saying on radio. 
So it's like, fuck, I mean, what's that's one of the most fucking uh, beloved, uh, outside of the Obamas, probably one of the most beloved political families in uh, in America, right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> so, yeah. Dead, dead Kennedy is pretty fucking, I didn't understand it at the time, but it's pretty fucking, at the time, it's, it was fucking shocking, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I got, I got that Fresh Fruit record, um, uh, I can't remember when I got it. I, was, I mean, it was, it was definitely... I would say between like fifth and sixth grade somewhere in there. Um, and it had that big ass poster in it. And that's when I really started to ask, um, was asking questions about stuff, you know, that I would see on the poster, like, um, you know, uh, whatever your tax dollars at work or shit that I, I really, I would hear my old man talk about shit like that once in a while. And then I would mostly ask him like, what does this mean? What does that mean? You know, and um and it just was like a whole like um i don't know you just like opened a brand new fucking book uh, you know opened your eyes you know i mean not so much the politics stuff but just like it's like a whole underbelly of shit you know like mm -hmm. of whether it's like you know like uh, like pop culture or politics or fucking movie stars you know like like you know what does it all mean you know why are the, why are they so popular you know like it just made it just like all i mean like those that poster that fucking poster was huge you know like <laughs> both sides and like you listen to the record and then you you go through and just look at all the, the those collages were fucking sick you know like those guys did such a good job with all that stuff you know it was like it was like perfect their all their artwork was perfect for that band you know yeah and like you're saying it was it's sort of like waking up in the matrix like it's obviously that's been co-opted you know the idea of, of taking a red pill and waking up but like it really is like waking up and like you're saying you see all this stuff that other people worship be it religion or celebrity culture like you begin to see that it's just code and you kind of understand the world differently once you kind of wake up mm -hmm. yeah you know and then and as far as like the packaging, like around the same time, you know, I got the the dam the Black Flag Damaged record, and that one, like, because my uncle had told me, like, they they got a new record coming out, or you know, go to check this record out when it comes out, and um, because I think he was going to shows and shit at the time, so he had his he had some info, like I I didn't know where to get any info about anything back then, you know, like you just. It was, it didn't even fucking exist, you know? Mm. And, um, I went down there with uh, my mom took me down there and she bought me that record. And it was that the, the that Chris talked about that sound stations records that the, when you, when you talk to him, he, that's, that's an old school spot. It's been there for a long, probably since like the early seventies or something. And that was the, the original location. We went in there and, um, it was the one with the, the, parent sticker on the back <laughs> yeah i still have it you know it's fucking beat to shit dude but i got it you know and um i remember the dude behind the counter he told my mom he's like you buying this for him with this shit on it or whatever and she's like yeah so when i got that I brought it home and that's really the record for me that like i would say probably my favorite record of all time i just like I, when i first heard that record it really like I mean, it was just, it was fucking evil, you know, like mm -hmm. evil. And it was very LA because, because the LA shit, it just has a different, 
it has a different type of, of fucking feeling to it for me. You know, like you can, I can tell, you know, like I can feel those bands, you know, like it just, it's, it's, it has that feel, you know, mm-hmm. I, I saw that when I was, when I had to go to the library for some shit too. And I, and I was looking through stuff and it was before I got that damaged record they had, or right around that time, they had an action now magazine there with a black flag interview in it. And I, I checked that, that out. And I fucking looked because I didn't even know what those guys look like or nothing. And I'm like, fuck, man, I, they look like me, you know, like, and that's where I really was connecting. Like, fuck, you know, that just fucking bald fucking dudes. A couple of them skate, you know, like it just was like, it felt like they made that record for me almost, you know, or I just felt like maybe like, even though I didn't know them, I knew them, you know, mm-hmm. Had you been aware of like the Sex Pistols or any of that stuff that had been covered in the media prior to kind of like the hardcore stuff happening? Like, no, not at all. I didn't know any of that stuff. I, 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 I learned about the Sex Pistols way later. And and you mentioned your parents being into like kind of cool rock and roll music. What kind of stuff were they listening to? Well, see, no, my mom, my mom was into, my mom was almost exclusively like 1962 to 1968 black music. I mean that was her thing. On the I don't know if you heard that show Sock Hop. It was kind of oh. like a fucking LA version of American Bandstand. Okay. But yeah, she was she was on there, and then my dad would listen to like oldies. Like there was a station in LA called KRLA that was, you know, would play like you know like this like standard like kind of like Chicano oldies, and then he would fuck with like the Rolling Stones, you know, and like you know Led Zeppelin or or whatever. But Wait, so, big into music. My mom more so because she was always, she was always playing music. We rarely had the fucking TV on at the house. Like I, I don't even remember when we got we got a TV or whatever. Like it was on a cart. They would keep it in the bedroom and just wheel <laughs> out once in a while if something was gonna happen. I don't know, but yeah, it was just music record player and you know, yeah. So, so did your mom dance on a TV show? You're saying? Yeah, she was dance. She danced on that sock hop show. The... same with my mom like she danced on the montreal version of that kind of show too called like yeah. young <laughs> mom's asses huh yeah exactly exactly well look what look what it made their kids go into rock and yeah. roll so it all worked out yeah it works obviously you're very young but what was like some of the first concerts you were going to uh fuck i didn't go to any really go to any concerts when i was a kid i went to I mean, what we would do was go to like fucking like Lakers and Kings games, Mm. you know, as far as like music, I I didn't go to any concerts when I was a kid, you know, my neighbor, my neighbor, um, growing up, he, he had producer credits on that. Remember that beat street movie, that fucking breakdance movie. Yeah. I think isn't ice T in that. No, the beat street one was very, was all New York. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Breaking. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he had producer credits on that, on that movie. And he, he, um, he used to get season tickets for free to the Lakers and the Kings and the Rams and, and whatever. And he's a fucking Jamaican dude. And he, I remember he was like telling my dad, he's all, I don't understand any of this shit. I like soccer, you know? So (laughs) he want the tickets. And so we would go to fucking Kings games all the time. Some Lakers games too, but, 
my my dad got into was really into the Kings, so I get to see a lot of those those games. Um, but as far as concerts, yeah, I don't I really go to any I, music concerts. I mean, they there was a group of kids by my house that were going to that Kiss show that they were they recorded alive too, and because um, it was at the Forum in Inglewood, and my mom said that my mom said hey you want to go with those guys it's cool and i was like nah it's cool i was fucking young dude i i, I don't know i was just fucking i didn't want to go with that group of people they're all older and i was like oh fuck i'll, I'll probably never make it home you know <laughs> <laughs> so like, what- I, could, I used to walk i could walk there for 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 games or whatever it's not far i just went to see the rams over there and walked home from there pretty close to there what was the first show you went to then? Um, like as far as like the like the punk shit, I would say it would it would be that Black Flag at the Federal Building. Oh, that's awesome! And then maybe the street scene, fucking uh, thing. I can't remember what year that was. Maybe eighty five. Like Fear and a bunch of bands. They had a big riot there. It was like in downtown LA. A bunch of, like an open air kind of street scene i don't know <laughs> yeah, well, I, was, I don't think i've ever heard of that so what was it was like a, like a street festival type thing yeah but it was a shitload of bands like it was like like all kinds of different bands you know like it wasn't punk mm-hmm. but there were punk bands playing you know <clears throat> yeah um i got to see um i got to see beowulf um at a backyard party um guardian the beer nuts like that's like Maybe like ninth or tenth grade. I never got to see suicidal back then. Oh, that's still that would have been awesome. Beowulf in a backyard party. What was the vibe yeah. of that show kind of like? Yeah, good. I mean, that was cool. Fucking um, me and my buddy were at a Carl's Jr. and uh, or a, a Jack in the Box, and this chick walked up to us and she goes, "You guys party?" And I was like, "I don't know." Like, and then my buddy's like, "Yeah, we party." And she gave us a flyer and it was for that show. It was that night. So we rolled over there and checked it out. That was good. So were there any other bands happening locally in Inglewood at that time? Like, like hardcore bands or, or punk bands? No, there were like, there were like, I didn't have any, anybody to talk to about punk or whatever, like in the neighborhood there, no one, no one liked it back then. It was every, all the kids were listening to like, I guess like the Commodores or 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 um, you know shit like that. Michael Jackson maybe. Um, mm. Just like the pop stuff, you know, the pop R and B type shit. I I wouldn't even ever talk about it with people. I'll just listen to it at the house, you know, because no one could kind of understand. No one would understand it, right? Yeah. And then and then like I don't know like what what the what the trend what what caused what what happened, but or why it happened, but like the neighborhood changed like at a certain point in the early eighties and it went like, it was predominantly a black area. Then it became predominantly a Latino area. You know, Mm -hmm. it felt like in the course of like six months, you know, I kind of think it might've been had to do something with the Reagan amnesty or something. But anyways, like then i started having all these like like uh chicano kids like that are around and like they were way into like fucking iron maiden and like um 
fucking scorpions or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. that meant they're open to harder shit, I guess. Right. So then I started meeting kids that were like down to listen to like black flag or, or, or whatever, you know? And they were also, and I was also head first into fucking skating at that time too, you know? So they were, they, they started skating too, you know? So we started to have a little bit of a little, our own little mini scene amongst ourselves here, you know, no, no bands or anything, but just a little, like a crew of people that would, kids that would listen to shit and then, you know, like skate all the time and you know stuff like that well like chris was saying on the show when chris estrada was saying on the show when he was on that like there's a safety in numbers that you can kind of get away with you know being openly a punk rocker in a way that you can't when there's only like one of you yeah yeah i never felt like like you know i've heard like you know about i heard about or read about when people are like oh you know like like jocks would go and try to beat up skaters or whatever. I was like, there's no jocks in Inglewood. I mean, there was jocks like athletes, but like that Yahoo, like Letterman jacket weirdo, like, you know, like I know that wasn't just, wasn't around here. So there was no threat of anything. Like if you're, if you're like into punk, like, like you would um, be threatened to get beat up or something, but like, it just was, it just, it wasn't nothing to the, to the whole neighborhood. It didn't mean anything, you know, like no one, I don't even know what the fuck it was, you know? Yeah. And maybe they started to like, maybe, maybe they started to, to stuff like, like when maybe like whip it, you know, would got big or, and then look at those weird guys. And what is that? You know, but like, like punk stuff, like it just wasn't non-existent. I didn't talk to anybody about it. There was just no one around. It was, it was like athletes and gangsters, you know, <laughs> like that's for the athletes, gangsters and blue collar workers. That was the, and stay-at-home moms that was the neighborhood you know you mentioned the, like kind of the, the more metally tinged stuff and i guess that's also the, like when crossover starts happening a little bit too right like the yeah yeah it was um, I, you know when i when i went into ninth grade i um i was in this fucking sitting in the spanish class and i seen this dude who had i didn't know what it was at the time but it turns out like this fucking remember those Remember those fucking denim looking notebooks that you could draw on? Yeah. The blue ones or whatever. Yeah. Fucker had the whole uh Celtic Frost, like um that little pen that pentagram looking thing, that crazy detailed one though. He had it drawn out on his notebook and uh, and he had like a creator um some creator shit drawn on his jacket or something. And I was like, what the fuck? Like you know so I started talking to him and um we actually became best friends like still to this day you know um he was from Inglewood totally into like the fucking speed metal shit and like the you know like the thrash or whatever and and we just you know that kind of I had heard that first the second side of the first Slayer record at one of my buddy's houses because his sister had it and i was like fuck man yeah that's good you know but like that was as far as it went but mm -hmm. when when i met him he was coming from a more metal like a uh, place and that's when i was that's when we started to like fuck with like celtic frost merciful fate um like 
the hell awaits was about to come out, you know, like this is ninth grade, this is like 84 or something. So, you know, we, we got, we got hell awaits from the rec from sound stations record store when, it, you know, but like at the same time, like you and me were talking off air about your love for Oingo Boingo. So you've always mm. kind of seems like had pretty broad tastes in the stuff that you liked. Yeah. When I was in junior high, this, this friend of mine, Dennis, his sister was like three or four years older than him. And she had only a lap and we played it and I was like, fuck, that's good. You know, like, oh, I like it. It's good. And then I got that 10 inch. I got only a lap. Then I got the 10 inch, that EP, the, the, the one that was put out by like A&M or something, mm -hmm. a four or five song record. And, um, yeah, I was, I was fucking into them, you know, and then nothing to fear came out. I got that. I saw that. I saw actually saw that nothing to fear tour at magic mountain out here twice we went to this we, we saw him twice in the same day oh that's all <laughs> at both at magic mountain like did it two sets what's that yeah did like they used to have well, i'm sure they still do it's like a it's like a like a bleachers and it's got like a roof on it that's open from the sides and bands play there or they always have i mean i'm sure they still do it but um yeah it was the nothing to fear tour because the shirt they were selling uh had the the cat from the front cover but he was holding up like a mat like a blanket like a matador and then on the blanket it said like oingo boingo magic mountain or something like that and they played they played that mostly the songs from nothing to fear that's awesome that, that's amazing like yeah so i think we left the show we 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 filed out and then we went through this like service area and we got back in line. <laughs> so like we got closer the the second time, like closer to the stage. And that was, that was fucking, that was pretty fucking cool. I've seen that band a lot over the years. Um, yeah, like I've seen them a lot. I, I had a, actually in, in junior high, I had a, there was a science teacher, Mr. Steele. He was all into like Oingo Boingo and all that stuff. And he, took me and my buddy whose sister had that only a lad record he took us to see x oingo boingo it was, it was pretty uh, it was a, an influential person that guy you know that's awesome and that that would have been before you're going to the black flag show too right what's that that's before you went to the black flag show yeah that would have been while we were in junior high because mm -hmm. the black flag show would have been i would have been like in ninth grade probably mm -hmm. at that what was that? That was like the slip it in era, right? I think that would have been slip it in, right? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, like another band that another band too that I fucking loved a lot was and still do is X. Like mm. I mean, I just another band that's like underappreciated, I think. You know, the people that like them like them. But beyond that, I don't know if people really know about them. And that's like another band that's just they're very, very fucking LA, you know, like they just very LA that band, you know. I think though, like we were talking off air a little bit about this. I think they get a little more critical respect than Oingo Boingo does, where I think a lot of people just dismiss Oingo Boingo as like just a new wave band that aren't familiar with them. Yeah, well, people people talk about those bands like Oingo Boingo, like, oh yeah, weird science. Like, oh yeah, well, that's the fucking that's the latter era commercial shit. You listen to those first three four records, you know, like I mean that one good for your soul when i first heard that i was like fuck man like i 
I remember telling my buddy, I was like, all right, it sounds like a, like a Hawaiian punch commercial sometimes, you know, with the shit, you know, like, so I kind of like, wasn't really into that record, but then later on, I appreciate how good it is. Like, that's, that's a lot for me has been like, like, like the misfits i when i when i heard them back then i i fucking didn't like them at all i I thought it sounded like elvis you know it's too slow you know it sounds like some shit like grandparents would listen to but obviously i was wrong you know later in life i'm like fuck that that shit's good you know like of course it's good you know yeah Uh, the same like black sabbath i i I didn't like black Sabbath. i didn't even care about it and then later on, like much later on, like maybe when I was like in my late twenties or something, I was like, "Fuck, dude, well, listen to all these fucking riffs." Like, God damn, you know, like so sick. Well, I think that was the same way the first time I got, uh, you know, I heard Pessimizer records for me. <laughs> like, like the stuff on the label was just so fast. Like coming from a world of Pennywise, and and I kind of got into it because of Theologian records and being like. You know, there's something yeah. about it. Like at first I didn't get it, but I like had to come back to it. And it was because it was just so much more like it wasn't 98 mute. Like it was definitely not no diss on 98 yeah. mute, but it was just like the stuff that was put, coming on that label was just so much heavier than what I had been exposed to before. It took me a while the, to catch up to it. The stuff on Pessimizer or Theologian? Pessimizer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I heard I, I I pick up you you and Chris were talking about that a little bit right the that um the theologian records pessimizer connection see Mark Theodore the the guy that ran theologian he was childhood friends with the Pennywise guys mm-hmm. so he put out their record because he was their friend right it just so happens that that shit got really big you know um. And he had his own, he was doing his own thing. I, I actually worked with with Mark at a skate shop or surf skate shop, ET Surf, which is probably like the oldest surf skate shop in, in LA. And it's like starting like 70 or 71. And um and we were friends there. And then I started putting out my zine and I would drop him off at his shop. He owned he had a little record store down in Hermosa. And um I'll drop off the zine and just bullshit with him. And then I was like, you know what, man? I want to put out a fucking record inside the zine. So you want to go halves on it? And and he's like, yeah, man, let's fucking do it. So that was the Pessimizer number four with the 16 seven-inch in it. Fresh, 16 Fresh American Lamb split seven-inch. Yeah. And, like, I just, like, when I started to put, like, the next, like, pretty soon after that, like, put out that 16 dropout record. And I was like, like that record, I, to me, like it deserved way more. Like, um, it, it deserved a lot more distribution than like me writing letters to like small punk places to like they'll pick up three copies and sell them at a gig. That's fine, you know. But the record had more. I thought had broader like appeal than I, I wanted the record to be in all the stores, you know. Mm-hmm. And because he was doing Pennywise, he was well, well, well versed in that game, which I wasn't. And, you know, he had that type of distribution, like a uh, connection that, that I felt like a band like 16 needed, you know, or, or deserved, you know. 
Well, it, it served the label so well too, because that's why I was able to get Pessimizer Records at CD stores in Toronto, like mainstream CD stores. Yeah, see, yeah, you know, I mean, like you can't like. I mean, I not that I ever got any shit for anything. I was like, didn't, but like, you know, we have a we, you know, we're dealing with smaller distributions. Like, I think we got Buried Treasure. I think in San Francisco, they owed us like fucking seventeen hundred dollars. They just went bankrupt. There you go. There's your fucking money, and and then a, a cargo up up in Canada too. Yep. They were in Montreal, right? Yep. Infamously, they went, they went under, and we got burned on that one too. You know, like so. Yeah, man. Like that fucking that that whole thing is like it's risky. You know, you got to like have. It's it's almost weird. Like you got to keep putting out fucking bangers because their payments are so far behind. You know. Like if you, you know, you're, they're short on paying you for record A, but record B, that's going to sell a lot. So I better pay them for what we owe them on A so we can, they ship us B. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like whole fucking game, you know? I'm like, fuck, man. I, I don't know. Like that shit was towards the end. Like I, you know, like there's so much, there was so much weird, like, like attitudes from, not so much, but like a couple, like, some attitudes were starting to leak in from people I was working with that I'm like, I thought we were doing this for a different reason, you know, like, but I guess not. I guess you're playing, playing that way. I, I don't know, man. They just not mention any names, but I just was like, got it got kind of disheartened by some of those people, you know, but I was trying to help, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it, I look, looking back on it though, it's incredible like what a what a catalog of just some of the most important extreme records that came out during that sort of like five year span six year span yeah it's yeah there's there some ones man where we like the band the bands fucking put in the work and i did my part and it seems like there's not a there's not a release that that, that that's on that label that that we're like ah oh, this is kind of a dud like I, I felt strongly about all of them, you know, and I know the bands did too, you know? Yeah. So, and the artwork and, and everything, like everything looked, looked good, you know, like it, it fit the band, you know, like I, cause I'm very, I'm very critical of that shit, you know, like, like you spend all that time writing those songs and recording and this and that. And then, and then you, you put that shit on the cover, like <laughs> stupid, you know, like you're, it deserves better from you as a band. So like put some thought in. You know? like, were there any bands that you wanted to work with that you were unable to work with? Because like I think, you know, you kind of get the, the cream of the crop of the era of, of certain styles. Yeah, there um the one that the one that sticks out is that band Acme. Have you heard of them from Germany? Oh, fucking love Acme, absolutely. I, yeah, like I really wanted to do something with that band and um uh the closest I got though was that band Carol. They had a couple songs on Crying Out and they're Acme members. No, it's those those Crying Out Cry Later comps are are, are also classics. There's a yeah. uh like you know, once again like a, a, a kind of like and and also the, the possessed escape comp too. Like it just really is such an incredible era for this kind of music and like sort of experimentation within the confines of, I guess, like punk for lack of a better term. 
yeah yeah um yeah we I lo- it was just a lot of a lot of hard work man like i was like you know at the time i, I was doing like so i was working full time i was i didn't have a car i was riding a bike to work which is like i don't know 20 miles round trip i was also playing full court basketball every day after work doing the zine doing the label trying to book shows and we had a we me and Bill from Despise You, we had a radio show at the time. So, and it was no email. So, every, everything was handwritten letters. Yeah. So, like, I was like, fuck, man. Like, I, it was a lot of work, like, nonstop, you know? But, like, but, like, you know, and then you can look back and go, well, look what it produced some shit that people love, you know? So, every, all the, all the stuff was, was worth it, you know? I'm sure that my, my story's not unique, you know? I have, I, I picked up records from all kinds of different places where I'm like, fuck man, they spent some time on this. You could tell, you know? So what inspired you to start doing the Z? Mm-hmm. Fuck. I, I mean, I, I was seeing zines at the time, like a lot of, a lot of stupid ones. Like they weren't like nothing that talked to me, you know, like, um, so I just said, fuck it. I'm going to do one. Fuck it, yeah, I'll try to do it. Review records. It was all done on a typewriter, all glue sticks, razor blades, just no no computers, and they were pretty shitty. You know, like they were, I mean, all the first couple were pretty shitty. Like the third one and fourth one were better. They were more focused. You know, like and then the, that fourth one had the record in it. So and then and then like the I think the fourth one, I actually started half toning the photos. You know, yeah. And, that made a big difference, you know, because before it was just this shit, Xerox or whatever the fuck, you know. Um, but yeah, it's like seeing other zines and, and saying like, I could do that, you know. Like, I think I left it out, but like, I, you know, we used to, we, you know, like I said, when we were, we were head first into the fucking skateboard stuff. Like, I, I used to read that. I used to get Thrasher and I would read I would go to that Puss Zone place first just to see what he was talking about, what kind of bands, you know? Yeah. And I, I would pick up bands off of that, you know, like, like, oh shit, I'm going to check that out. I'm going to buy that or whatever. And we, you know, we, we, um, these kids I was skating with at the time, like we, we went to San Francisco on the Greyhound like three years in a row just to skate the, the fucking China banks and the fucking, this, dish skate park and hunter's point and all this stuff we were i was 13 or so at the time the oldest kid was like 15 and and we just roll up there on the greyhound and we stayed for like three days you know like and the only place that would rent us a room was in the in the tenderloin it's and i've been by there as an adult and it's called the ardmar and it was one of those furnished like fucking flop houses or something man yeah. like we would just stay there i mean and and skate and like you know off shit we saw because Sam because Thrasher was very San Francisco centric. Mm. So have a lot of those spots and, and we would we go like fuck man, we gotta go. That looks sick. And then we'd get to we get to China Bank. It's like the shittiest spot ever, you know. It was just fucking <laughs> terrible. Like fuck, why do they put this in the magazine? You know? <laughs> well that's that you learn the harsh realities of advertising. Oh man, it was terrible. I was like, fuck this place. Something <laughs> else, man. Were you going to shows up in San Francisco when you go on these trips? The shows? Yeah. No, no shows, just skating. But like I, I started getting into like some of those like 
the, like the Bay Area stuff sounded different than the LA stuff, you know? It just had like a, I don't know, like it's just a different quality to it, you know? And it was like new to me, you know? And I'm like, oh yeah, this is good, you know? For the faction, you know? Like that sound does not sound like any LA band, you know? Like, and the, that's good shit too. Yeah, it's really interesting how there's like a regional identity to the way bands sound, like the way the Vancouver stuff sounds very much like from Vancouver back then versus Seattle versus San Francisco versus L.A. Like there was like a real regional identity to the music. Yeah, yeah, I tried to. I mean, that band Strain from up uh, up in Vancouver, I, I, I've tried to turn a lot of people onto them back in the day because I think that shit's so good, man, like I, that's good good stuff man like it's so like chunky and like groovy like mid pace it's really fucking those fucking vocals are good too we were on tour like when, when despise you was on tour we were in germany and it was like the last show and i'm like this band's playing before us and and i'm outside and i'm like i hear a strain riff or a strain song playing i'm like what the fuck i go inside and i look and it's the guitar player, his new band, and they did a strain cover. Oh, that's awesome. So I talked after the show and I'm like, I'm like, hey man, the fucking strain, that's that you guys are fucking badass. And he goes, You you don't know us. And I gave I showed him my phone, I had all the records on there. He's like, <laughs> fuck, dude. I go, Yeah, but we stole a fucking car to go see them in Orange County because we didn't have a way to get there. Well, I didn't steal it, someone I know did. And <laughs> and we saw him in Orange County. That show was badass. But I don't think anybody really knew who they were, you know. No, I think they kind of feel like a, a band without a country, especially in Vancouver back then when like the sound was kind of dominated by kind of poppy garage rock stuff like Cub and the Stranglers mm. or Smugglers, sorry, Smugglers. Mm. And it it feels like, you know, but it's interesting in L.A. how, you know, like uh, you got bands like the Dickies or, or Manic Hispanic, like bands that are kind of like more humorous, but the crowd they attract is definitely a little bit harder. So I guess yeah. it's different in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, or or like something like the Vandals back in the day, they were pretty humorous, you know. Yeah, and I bet you their shows were probably pretty nuts. Yeah, I never really, I don't really like the humor stuff now in, in like music. I just don't really like those type of bands, you know. Yeah, no, I get joke, that joke stuff or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely like a. I don't know, like there's like a serious silly divide in punk where there's like like you were saying earlier with the Dr. Demento, there's like a seri a, a, a strong novelty streak that runs throughout it, but then there's also this sort of like you know, the reality focused stuff that's you know, bands like Dead Kennedys are singing about. Yeah, but like it's like too like like on the, some of these bands, like how it was recorded, you know, like the the recording, like the how they recorded stuff like it really makes the band sound a certain way you know like you don't like if you polished that some of those songs up they wouldn't be the same you know like like what you know like i used to listen to fucking um when i was listening to damaged i'd fucking like on on like that song no more like in the beginning there's the bass like boom boom if you fucking put that shit up really loud I'll put it up real loud and you could hear like the fucking snare rattling when he's doing those. Check it out. Yeah. Like, and, and like you can hear all these like things, you know, like 
imperfections, I guess you would call them. I don't know. Maybe because they're probably recording it all in the same room, you know, like, so there's no, like, they're not putting guitars in different rooms and drums or whatever the fuck, you know, but that makes those records like sound that way, you know? Yeah. Or like on the crime seven inch on Hotwire my heart where they, they fuck up the guitar lick, but they leave it in there and it's there forever like that. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that. It's no. kind of cool. Like he fucks it up, <laughs> like the intro of the song, he fucks it up a little bit. But like you're saying, a lot of times there wasn't money necessarily to do a second take or a desire yeah. to do a second take. So no second take was yeah, done. Sometimes like we'll be bullshitting like me and me and Phil, the uh, despise guitar player. And <coughs> Sorry. And he, uh, he'll, 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 we'll talk about some song. He goes, yeah, that's recorded totally out of tune. Or this song, like that part is or something that's out of out of tune that song um, <laughs> that's you know like I, I don't know much about all that sort of shit you know but just pointing out all the fuck-ups you know basically you know like what were the kind of new era of bands popping up when you were starting the zine uh yeah i mean no comment you know was definitely there i mean I, those bands were so like the scene was so nothing though like i mean mm. What was like, look up some of those old videos of no comment or crossed out, you know, it's 10 people there. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was like a, it was like a, 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 a far left sliver of an already small scene. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it was like, it was punk, but it wasn't like, to me, it, it felt like it was like a, it was like a, offshoot like stepbrother of that so the crowds and the interest was 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 <clears throat> was minimal you know mm -hmm. but i mean like that that for me that as far as like the power violence shit goes like that's probably the i would say that's the uh best of the the record for that genre is downsided you know like yeah that that and probably sec, you know, maybe a distant second is the crossed out man as a bastard record, you know, like those two, I thought were like very like power violence, you know, especially no comment. That record is the the, the way it's recorded is perfect for that band. It's so fucking sharp, you know, like they the lyrics are badass. Everything is perfect for that for me on that record. That's my favorite. Uh, power violence record for sure it's one of the greatest hardcore records of all time in my opinion so good dude i mean and there's a lot more thought goes into that record than most people think or most people understand because if you look at those lyrics and follow along it's it's birth to suicide that's the record mm. he's born on song one and he kills himself at the end and everything in the middle is is what ha what leads up to it it's it's like it's fucking like poetry dude i don't know i mean i yeah i don't know what to say it's just a perfect record for me you know i mean it's definitely not something that that people are going to be like uh, embracing in fucking big numbers but for people that that are into harder shit like for sure they should listen to that record buy it you know they have a discography CD like that's got pretty much everything they've done. I forget what it's called. There's a bunch of live shit on there. It's kind of sounds like shit, but like 
it's got like that that farmer hitler john and the downsided you know so yeah the demos I, on there I, and i was actually interviewing vince the guitar player during the la riots while it was jumping second day like i interviewed him for the zine that's when shit was really cooking dude like i mean that shit was crazy and he told me like towards the end of the interview he i'm on the phone and he goes he's all hey dude the fucking they put they just rolled a tank up onto the corner of my street so i'm gonna get going i'm like yeah dude i'll see you you know like and then like after I got it printed and I met that met up with them at the Hong Kong cafe for their show that turned out to be their, I think their last show. And, um, I gave him the zine and, and that's the last I talked to, to Vince. I had talked to Andy several times over the years, the singer, mm-hmm. but um, that was the last time I'd seen uh, Vince. I, I think I read an interview with Andy one time or, or you know, maybe, maybe it was reprinted somewhere else where he was talking about how, you know, no comment was a response to like the way he thought punk had gotten or hardcore had gotten too metal at the time, or you know, it, it just kind of lost its way. And this was kind of like a return to like, you know, what hardcore should be in in his mind, I guess. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's definitely like it's. There's not really anything metal about that record, you know. Mm-hmm. Pretty fucking punk. I mean, the yeah, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't get that from that record. But like, if that's that's what he says, that's cool. You know, I mean, they they fucking did a good job. From what I understand, that was supposed to be a full length. Um, but when I was, I talked to Chris Dodge about it a few times, and he's like, that was supposed to be a full length, but they only they only gave me like six minutes of material or whatever, whatever <laughs> out to be. So it's hard, hard to spread shit, you know. <laughs> I put in. The old instrumental or something i mean they kind of did at the end but it wasn't filler that's a fucking that shit's badass that ending song is sick yeah all fucking like just sad you know that's the best sad music's the best that's the way i see it you know whether it yep. doesn't matter the genre you know that's why that that's why all that chicano soul shit's so good because it's all sad even the happy songs are sad you know you think they're happy but they're not you know that's why the cure still hits for so many people or morrissey or fucking any of those british bands they got that shit in spades man like <laughs> fuck you know yeah the cure fuck they're still doing tours right yeah i was talking to the fucking dude like, we were touring in mexico the guy that was driving and asking him about like the cure or morrissey and he's like fuck man they play fucking stadiums here dude mm-hmm. so that's phenomenon i'm like yeah man i i know i understand you know yeah, I, I was filming this documentary about uh, wrestling in Tijuana. We'd just be sitting in like a normal restaurant, and all of a sudden the cure would come on. Like, not a cool indie spot, just like a normal spot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It makes, I didn't hear it, but it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, those, like, yeah, certain folks, man, when they, when they start, when they fall in love with your band or certain types of music, man, it's like a forever thing, you know? Is it weird for you now to see how power violence is like you're saying there's like some of these shows are 10 to 30 people and here we are years later and it's kind of become a, like a genre or like people refer to it like it's a genre. Yeah. Is that weird to see like, is that something like, obviously it's something you didn't probably expect to happen. I mean, when we first started, when I first started putting out records, I, I just was like, fuck man. Like I, 
like you're gonna print a thousand of these like that's crazy like uh you know like i i know like this guy in italy likes it i might because I, I had a shitload of pen pals you know back in the mm-hmm. day i would write trade tapes with and, and all this shit and um i just thought that would be crazy to sell through that amount of records but like um th- i mean that was kind of pretty early on you know like but um yeah it is kind of surprising that um that it's that people like it so much you know or a lot of people like it you know it's it's still small i mean it's like you know like you, it's not like a big thing you know but like i mean it's cool that bands can tour and and then have good shows playing that style of music you know well you know it, it, you're right it is still small but it's like the most surprising i think has been the dis- the popularity of despise you yeah i mean i, I i've like we we like when we started doing it we had no like 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 straight up less than zero like uh um expectations of doing shit you know like it's just like i like this shit this is these i've been keeping these lyrics in my head for a long fucking time and like now i got some people we can do this like they know how to play guitars and this guy fucking plays drums pretty good and and i have a lot of shit to say and we're just gonna fucking put it on a record you know and like that was it it wasn't like oh yeah we're you know, there's a lot of bands that maybe they do like, okay, we're going to put this and then maybe we can tour with this band leapfrog over to this shit. It's like, oh, fuck, I got a job, dude. Like, I, I don't need like any of that type of shit, you know, like just, it's just what I feel, you know, and like, mm-hmm. and we recorded it sounds fucking the way we wanted and, and, and whatever. And if people fucking got, got into it, then that's, that's cool, you know, but there, we never forced anything, you know, like, and there's no like, promotions or or like it's all organic really you know like we don't even have a legit like um like i mean we have a facebook page that's kind of just like i don't know what the fuck's up with facebook now but like we don't really there's no like promotion arm or like talking it's like my like i said this is my first podcast i don't talk like i'm I'm terrible about talking about the shit i do you know like just i don't you know so there was no expectations of, of anything, but we appreciate like um, being able to do it. And then, you know, going on tour and going to different places and having these people come up to me and talk to me about my lyrics. And like, sometimes like in a fucking pretty heavy way, it, it, um, it's very humbling, you know, like it's like very, very humbling, you know, like, how 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 can how can someone that that writes songs like ever be like 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 um dismissive of people that are talking to them about the shit they said you know what i mean mm-hmm. very it's powerful you know i know i i know what things have been powerful in my life you know like for the from bands or what people have said and like like so it's super important to me and then that comes actually to me through other people, you know, like, it's like, I'm wearing that hat now sometimes, you know? And like, I don't, I don't like, I don't take it lightly. I don't know how to explain it, you know, but like, I just don't, I appreciate, 
I appreciate their words, you know, and what it means to them, what my words mean in their lives, you know? It's, it's funny because, you know, like you're talking, I know you're talking about other bands where there's like 30 or, you know, less type people at some of these shows, but it felt like with Despise You that, you know, the band felt important right away. Well, maybe not when the first seven inches were coming out, but like certainly by the time you put out that discography, it mm-hmm. felt like this was like a band that kind of defined an era, which is because you guys hadn't even really played shows by that point. No, nothing. No, I, I didn't want to really play any shows. I mean, so like, you know, everybody had other bands that could like what, 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 um, what despise you was in the beginning was basically like, you know, stapled shut excruciating terror, crom and nausea LA. That was the band, you know? And um, and then this death metal band, East East LA death metal band, Rise, and those were that's what the members were. So everybody was busy with their own thing, you know. But it seemed like when we got together, like it just we could fucking write a shitload of music quick. We were recording every month, it seemed, you know. Like I just like, okay, we got ten more songs. I got the lyrics all set up. Fucking let's do it. I mean, I never did lyrics in practice. I just only did them once we got to the studio. And you recorded, were they all kind of recorded in in like two batches basically, right? No, there was several sessions on that, on that. um, You're talking about the West Side Horizons record, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, like it was like over like a two year span is what I should say. Maybe, maybe, maybe three years. Like we recorded um, a couple sessions at, um, uh, this place, uh, it, it was a uh, total access. It's, it was where fucking, um, they did like my war and, and, uh, <laughs> slip it in. I think this just, the room was reconfigured, you know, that was in Redondo. Um, I don't know if you remember that classic fucking photo of Henry Rollins in front of a Seven Eleven on a skateboard, like doing a grind or something. Oh, I think and, I can picture that. Right, yeah. That's right on the corner of the street right there. Like, um, that was where they recorded those, those at least two records, I think. And then we recorded, um, an, another session in like Montebello and another one in down in Hermosa. So there was probably like, there's might, might be like five sessions on that, on that record, you know? Oh, and there's some stuff that was recorded at Loyola Marymount university. Like, so yeah, five or six sessions. So that's why that record, some parts don't sound so, I mean, when we mastered it, we tried to get the levels like to be pretty even, you know, but it's clearly different recording sessions, you know? Mm. Well, it still sounds like it's one of those but records all the, that all those sessions were like, everything was recorded in one day and then it was mixed the following day. Like everything from setup to the songs, to the vocals, blah, blah, blah. That was done. And then the next day we would mix and then it was done. There was no like, I mean, aside from like that burning in hell song, there's no fucking overdubs on those songs, you know, like it had to do it for that little guitar lick that whatever that, you know, whatever. But like, um, yeah, there's no, it's all live, you know, all those songs are live. And so the thought was just to always make this a studio project and just kind of leave it at that. I don't think it, I don't think that was the thought. I just think, don't think we ever were really talking about like playing a show. We're just like, fuck, all right, let's get back together and write some more songs. All right. You know, like it wasn't like a, like a, a focusing, like, okay, guys, this is just a studio project. Cause that 
no, I, we didn't have a conversation, you know, like, I'm yeah. scared, you know, like, it's, uh, this song, you know, let's do this one, let's do that one, uh, this song's good, or whatever. We would just, and we were writing so much shit that, like, we would just record it on a boombox type, you know, a, a little radio, so that we wouldn't forget them when we got to the studio, you know, because it's not like we played them like for fucking a year and then we went to record we played them for like a month and then we went to record and then we would put the boom box in the studio and just play right, this is the first song remember this one and then you could hear it on the cassette okay yeah let's do it and then they would do it you know, you know? how did you meet lulu hernandez who who did the other vocals right yeah it was my uh it was uh the guitar player's ex-girlfriend's sister and did she like was she a hardcore kid or did had you heard her voice before like because her voice is obviously legendary yeah no nah, she wasn't she wasn't a, i don't think she liked the cure and like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know what that's 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 where some of the best shit comes from man it's like you know i mean it's like you know like the band like like you know we don't we weren't listening to like okay like when we were writing songs we weren't all listening to power violence all the time, you know, like I, I listen to fucking oldies a lot or electro funk or whatever the file listen to whatever the fuck I want, you know, like mm. listen to that stuff too. But like the perspectives are, are different, you know, like you got, you got one guy, maybe he's listening to just death metal all the time. One guy's listening to just nothing but crust punk and someone's listening to like R and B. I don't know what the fuck, you know? So you and, and then you got a the uh, Lourdes Hernandez who's not listening to any of that shit. She's listening to like mariachis and fucking Morrissey or something, you know. So, yeah. Well, it, it, actually, I wanted to ask you about this. Like, do you consider Despise You a power violence band, or do you consider that very much like a time and a place with, you know, the few bands we mentioned earlier? I think I think that's what it is. It was like a time and a place. It was like the early to mid '90s Los Angeles. That's the that's the fucking hole we kind of fell in, you know? Um, mm. But I, I, I mean, like, we don't sound like uh, crossed out, you know, like at all, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of, like I said, those, the man is a bastard crossed out, no comment. That's kind of like for me and they're all Southern California. That's the power violence, like blueprint, you know, like that's the, the standard, you know, I know there was a lot of other bands that, or still are, I guess, that from all over the place that say like, oh, power violence. And I don't really get too caught up in the, I actually I don't get caught up at all in any of that shit. But like, it kind of is like a, a, like a Southern California thing, you know, really at the end of yeah. the day, it is. That's where, that's where all the bands are infest. Like I, all these bands that were from here, you know? Well, it's like you were saying before, there's certain things you can tell it's regional. It has a regional sound to it. Like we're talking about LA punk and San Francisco punk earlier, like power mm -hmm. violence is Southern California. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, that's, that's what it is to me. And that's cool. I all kinds of people. They fucking do it in Japan. They do it in fucking Columbia, wherever the fuck. That's cool. I'm totally cool. I'm not, I'm not like a, some guardian or what the fuck I'm not at all. You know, everybody can do whatever the fuck they want, you know? So, but yeah, I, I think like early on, maybe that despise you crom record is kind of a power violence type record. It's 
little sloppy. It's like, you know, like it's got some of that, like, like, um, ridiculous, like changing, you know, like when it goes fast or slow, fast or slow, you know, yeah. like that type of stuff's kind of, that's power violence style, you know, but then later we just like, or like, you know, like a lot of the shit on West Side Horizon is not really power violence, you know, it's, I don't know what it is, it's punk, it's, it's a little metal here and there. I mean, we, the drummer does play like fucking triplets and shit. So, I mean, it's not, not like gutter punk, you know, <laughs> or whatever, you know, like, you know, well, like you're saying, it's got members it's of Nas. Oh, sorry, go on. I didn't mean, kick off. Yeah. I just say, it's, it's our own thing. What we did, you know, like that's it. Well, and like you were saying earlier, you've got like LA nausea members in there. So it's like, it's falling in another tradition then that's different than the power violence thing yeah like la nausea i mean i would they have all this stuff they're fucking rad i mean of course they're you know they got the terrorizer connection there or whatever but yeah like yeah i mean it, it's just okay it was frank was in nausea la was also in stapled shut so he was the second vocal on west side horizons the more high-pitched one that was Frank. Yeah, and, and, and that LA Nausea record is super underrated. I think that thing is so sick. Yeah, one on Wild Rags. Yes. Thick, dude. Yeah, fuck yeah. The, the recording's kind of shitty and muffled on that record, but goddamn, those songs are fucking badass, dude. They're, they're fucking killer. Well, I was going to say, like, Wild Rags in general, I think that's like a problem with a lot of the records they put out. The recording tends to be mm -hmm. a little rough, but like yeah. a lot of cool stuff on that label. Yeah, and it was a fucking cool store too, man. Like, I mean, the guy jacked up the prices on shit, but like, um, yeah, he, I mean, if you're into like the death metal, like black metal, all that shit, like, or whatever, even some of the like, like metalish punk stuff, like I had it. I mean, he always had, he was always had a shitload of demos and, and like, yeah, he, he had, he had a, that was a cool store. I mean, that, that, that despise you crom record was recorded about two blocks from that store i mean it was right in that area uh, you know plays a fucking big place dude it, the, the footprint's huge it's huge like montebello is like la and it's nowhere near where i live you know like it's and then it keeps going east even more and more and more like for instance like you know when we when we get together to practice if it's during the week I'm way on the, I'm way over in Englewood, you know, like I'm, that's pretty West. All those guys live way, or this, Andrew lives in downtown LA and then um, Phil and Cynthia live on the East side. So it's about 23 miles to get to his, to get to practice. And sometimes it takes two hours, you know, Yeah. during the week. So it's like, yeah, it's ridiculous, man. Well, that's the thing about that city. So it feels like there could be multiple scenes happening at the same time, just because, you know, especially when you consider like all the little towns that connect to it all the way down to San Diego, there's like, it's just solid people. Yeah. I think that, I think that in LA, you definitely had, had that or have that with like San Gabriel Valley, San Fernando Valley, LA proper, uh, fucking, um, you know, like, uh, Long Beach. I mean, Long Beach is not, I mean, it's kind of the furthest south city in LA, and there's half a million people there. And that's really its own city. Every city has its own kind of vibe, you know? Like, 
all those places do you know like i you know i mean there's an i don't think there's a ton of like punks that live in downtown because it's kind of expensive but like you know like downtown doesn't look like long beach doesn't look like montebello or inglewood they all look different you know Mm -hmm. yeah one band i had to ask you about uh is chopping block did you ever see that band no i've never even heard of them they apparently uh the the lead singer or the guitar player claims that he was the guy who taught matt domino how to play guitar Uh and they are you know i think the seven inch comes out around the same time as the infest seven inch grizzly fetish and uh kind of trying to take him to court or something no no i think that's just like uh something he told the kids when they were younger type thing like oh i know you know that band infest well let me tell you this type thing but uh an interesting band like it, it makes the infest record sound highly produced by comparison but it is a an interesting record it's good yeah it's cool it's like once again like it's like like you're saying it has that sound like there's something about it that just sounds southern california fucked Mm -hmm. up diy hardcore yeah yeah that's well i'll check it out that's right i I love when bands nail that fucking vibe or like you know kind of like you know not power violence but like x or like the plugs you know like that's so that so fucking la you know like that it's just it just has that vibe to it you know like there's a there's and there's and the lyrics too they're very la you know like especially x they're just la they're the plugs like like that um that blue sofa song you know is a great one you know the plugs are a band that there's got to be a documentary about because it's just you know from playing with bob dylan to like being in a porno film to kind of inventing the genre in a lot of ways like they are just such a fascinating band i had two fucking copies of that record when i was a teenager and lent them out and never got them back and that record is so fucking expensive now all their records have gone crazy and like that used to be kind of affordable yeah yeah i mean i bet you probably have to spend 500 bucks to get that lp i bet yeah i mean yeah, that's 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 happened to a lot of a lot of my records have disappeared like that, and I'm I'm not mad because I would let everybody listen to my shit and vice versa. You know, the one the one record I did keep a hold of was that um uh, that Septic Death ten inch that, that that live ten inch, mm. which fucking rips. You know, and like I I borrow I lent that out and got it back, and I still have it. You know, like that that label um going back to that San Francisco stuff, like that, that label deluxe, they put out that, that septic death record. They had a ton of shit in their distro too, that you could order, you know, like it was rad. That, 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 that era of like, of like the, the, the distros in San Francisco and like the drunk engines and septic death and, and all this stuff was like, you know, like I would just mail order the stuff, you know, that was that was rad. I don't know. I don't know if there's there's something like that quite quite special like that anymore. You know. Well, I think you're like it's so different now. Like the idea of like taking a chance on a record based on someone's description, yeah. You know, like from sound pollution or something, or like vacuum or something like. Yeah, it just, it's just so alien to like existence now. Yeah, that vacuum. That vacuum was that they they were killer too. You know, like. 
they had fucking everything, you know, like, and, and he was a fucking great person too. that guy, mm -hmm. the guy that ran it, you know, I remember he was, I remember he did that auction when he, he, he was moving, I think. And he did like, he, he sold all his records. Do you remember? It was like a very early online auction for records. Mm. And yeah. I remember looking at the prices back then being like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this went for that much money. And it just feels so quaint. Yeah. I feel the same way about like, um, about uh like skateboard shit like i i had I, I i i fuck around a little bit and i'll go on like ebay or whatever and look at like old like original skateboard gear or decks or whatever the fuck and i had like so many of these things that i'm like i mean i, I wore the shit out of them but like if i would have just kept them even in shitty condition there's people that are paying like three grand for those decks, you know. I'm like, fuck, that's crazy, man. Like, oh, it's crazy. Like, I had a, I had a Dogtown, a Bigfoot. I had a Dogtown triplane. I had the original Hasoy Sims board. I had a bunch of boards that I would just ride and fucking throw them in the. I threw them in the trash. They <laughs> fucking got fucked up. I threw them away. I got another one. I got a different one. I mean, like. <laughs> It's it, it's crazy, and then like the different like wheels or the the fucking first and second stage of the independent trucks. Like I had all that shit and like threw it away when it wore out. And like people pay so much money for that now. I'm like I can't even I can't even get my head around. I guess it's like it's probably people that like got that are a little older. They and then they got some cash and they're feeling nostalgic and they want to relives shit or i don't know put it on a wall or whatever yeah like i think it's you know post dogtown and the z boys documentary there's there's almost like this fetishization of of skateboarding art and culture and and just like i think it's people like not even nostalgic for their youth it's like people that never did it even yeah i mean like like la or, or inglewood at that time like talking about late 70s early 80s that was like so what me and my friends used to like doing the most was skating backyard pools. And this was the best place to be because I mean, LA of course, cause there's so many fucking pools, but they, there's a few things that happened. One was they tore down a shitload of apartments by my house to build air freight building. Cause I live close to Inglewood's close to the airport. And, um, those those all had pools. Like there's an old video from like it was like I think Alva. It's called the Alva Rock Monster or something. And I think it's like '83 or '4. And they're skating this pool in Inglewood. And it's, I mean, I could hit a rock at that at, to that pool from my house. And the, but that whole block was like, I don't know, man, ten different pools. And then there was a whole community just to the west of me. Uh, it was called Manchester or, or yeah, Manchester Square, I think they called it. And it was a lot of apartments, but it was tons of pools. And they they started condemning them in the late seventies because LAX, LA Airport, was going to take that property. So there was all those pools, and then the one hundred and five freeway, <clears throat> which they built from like Inglewood all the fucking all the way through South LA and Watts all the way down they had to buy up and condemn a shitload of properties to build that freeway. I actually know two people 
who had to move out of their houses because it became a freeway. <clears throat> that fucking um, Beach Boys, where the Beach Boys grew up, uh, a couple of them, they, there's like a, a plaque over there and it, they tore down their house to build that freeway. But that was just full of pools. I mean, there's pools everywhere. So at that, at that time in this area, if you want to skate pools, like you just, you're in fucking heaven with the shit. And that's where like, like other, like more prominent fucking skaters would come down that we would meet. And then we would trade information with them on their pools, you know, cause it was like this, this fucking guarded secret, these places, you know, because you don't want a bunch of yahoos going into the backyards causing problems. And then the cops come and now it's on the radar. You want to just go skate and leave, you know? So you're, you're careful about who you turn on to these spots, you know? And that's how, that's how it still is today for sure. You know, you've got your, you've got your, 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 your trusted people that you turn on to spots and they do the same, you know? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise it it becomes like it gets blown up. Yeah. You get people in there that are like fucking bring music to the place or whatever the fuck there's fucking neighbors, you know, like, you know, but yeah, fucking skating pools. Like I just, that was my, my favorite. We did so much, you know, we, so, so much of like the music and the art and everything came out of like skating pools, listening to the music, you know, just doing our thing, you know, like it was like, that was, that was very important to like my life, you know, like music and skating pools. That was, that was the two things, you know, and the music of all kinds. Cause like, I also like fucking, you know, like electro funk. And when that shit was all starting up in LA, like 83, four, you know, like all, it was just, it was big with the gangsters, you know, but I, I loved it too, you know? And yeah, there was, there was so much good shit you know, coming out. And then that, that's like the early part of thrash and like the crossover shit. And there was so much stuff going on at the time around the LA Olympics. Like things were really, there was so much stuff going on, you know? Well, it's interesting to like, kind of look at this sort of, you know, cultural, uh, tennis match that goes on between new york and los angeles like we're in the early 80s you know through the the inception of hip-hop like hardcore punk before that but then like you're saying by the mid 80s to the late 80s with like west coast hip-hop electro funk thrash it really does kind of shift to los angeles and then right up until uh, you know i guess alternative music and and green day being a little bit north but like it kind of stays there for a long time before, you know, like it's interesting how it, it's almost like this energy kind of goes back and forth between these two big cities. Yeah. I mean, when I first heard public enemy, I thought like, that's punk. That's a punk record. The, 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 the uh, bum rush, the show. I was just like, mm-hmm. fuck, that's subversive, you know, like, fuck this shit's cool. You know, like, and then, you know, nation of millions, that sounds to me like a punk record you know like and it has a slayer fucking riff in it you know that that fucking tune uh, what is it she watched channel zero it's angel of death you know i was like fuck you know like and then they you know too like i would i would so i would buy like these it wasn't even called a mixtape at the time it was just a, i don't know what they would call it but like at the inglewood uh swap meet which was pretty much like gang headquarters for inglewood gangs you know but like they had they sold clothes and like 
there was a little music store in there and I would buy these tapes and it was like a, like a, a just a DJ would make them. He would just blend the songs. And that's when I first heard like fucking Rodney Owen, Joe Cooley, uh, Schoolie D, um, Shy D, like all these bands. They were like, they, they weren't, the rap wasn't on the radar yet. You know, like, mm. and like, I thought like, fuck, this is like, so like obnoxious. It's like, it, it's like, um, what, what's the atonal or whatever, whatever these words are like, that's, I think that's punk, you know, like, and I thought it was, it was good, you know, or getting the, getting the, getting the, um, what's that fucking record? The, or, or the ice tea, like, uh, uh, it was like, um, uh, six in the morning, like 12 inch and, and hearing that. And I'm just like, fuck man. Like, yeah, that's badass. And then learning about him and I'm like, oh, he's, he's from Crenshaw, which is, Fuck, dude! It's five minutes from Inglewood. It touches Inglewood, actually. You know, and getting into that sort of stuff, you know, like on a, like on just on a musical appreciation type level, you know. When, it, like you're saying about punk, it's also so regional. Like Schoolie D, and, and you know, like Philadelphia stuff doesn't necessarily sound like New York stuff. Doesn't sound like LA stuff. Like no, not at all. And like that Schoolie D stuff, it was like. It was so like blown out and like right, you you know mm-hmm. that I was just like everything's saturated. It's all fucking blown out. Like it didn't sound like like um anything I'd heard to that point, you know. And I was like, fuck, that's fucking good. What does that mean, you know? Like, what is he talking about? Like, what is that place, you know? Like, I was interested in in that stuff, you know. I mean, like the NWA stuff. Like, I I I wasn't like when that stuff came like when boys in the hood came out that was like just a neighborhood song you know like everybody was playing it you know and then like i was like oh that's cool you know and then i never really got into that band like nwa or whatever i know everybody fucking loves it and all all this stuff but like that guy that fucking um what's his name he was like the fifth member of he was the um fucking uh arabian prince You, you know that guy arabian prince he was an Inglewood guy and he was, he worked at this market on, um, over on Arbor Vita. And we talked to him a couple times that market, he worked in that market and next door to that market. Do you know, do you know who that guy, Steve Rocco is? He's, um, he did world industry skateboards. They did a whole Oh yeah, of- absolutely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So his parents, his family owned the cleaners next door to that market where Arabian Prince was working. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't mean shit. I'm just, that's a funny little fucking story. You know, like, it was called the Slam Dunk Cleaners because it's like right down the street from the forum where they were like fucking slam dunking all the time, you know? So yeah. It's still there, but it's it's a different spot now. But yeah, there's all kinds of these weird, like, like, like things, you know? Like, well, it's like the, under, under, like the underground cultural history, you know? Like the fact that there is this sort of like institutionally important skateboarding connection place right beside this institutionally important hip hop yeah. rap connection thing. It's, it's, it's fascinating how these things, but like, like you're saying, it's the few and the proud that would know or care. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm amongst them. So. Yeah. I, 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 I fucking, I, you know, sometimes I'll like talk to like a couple of the older fucking homeboys and like about, about shit like that. And just laugh about it. How fucking weird that is that, you know, like those connections and, what uh, what all this stuff happened you know like yeah different different era i don't know man i'm I, i'm glad to grow up in the 
era I did, you know, to experience those type of things and, you know, the good and the bad, there's plenty of bad, you know, that's for sure. And, you know, they, you can't like candy coat it, you know, and it's there for real, but like all the other stuff too, like being able to, being able to be around or near when things were being like created is, is pretty cool. A lot of the skateboard stuff, you know, that's, that's for sure. And like, and I don't, and I'm not a reminiscing type person because the, I, I see all these Instagram, like broken magazine, all these like places that are, that are the skate pages, the shit that these guys are doing now, it's a thousand times gnarlier than anything we were doing back then. Like, uh, yeah, there's no comparison. These kids are, these people are, they're fucking crazy and they're doing all kinds of shit far beyond the same with graffiti. It's the same with, with all everything, really everything is like, look at some graffiti from 1987 and the, and the craziest crews out there. It looks like shit compared to the stuff they do now. Can't even compare it for nostalgia. It's cool. But for talent and then like how it looks, the stuff they're doing now is light years ahead, you know, but you could probably apply that to sports too and everything really, you know, but like you were saying about damage, right? Like that, that imperfection, the fact that it isn't perfect makes that 87 era graffiti look so much sicker in a way. And maybe it's just, yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 I wasn't writing graffiti back then, so I don't have nostalgia for it, but like, to me, it, it's got like a, an edge to it. Like you're describing earlier with music. Yeah. I, I, I guess I will, I will say that for, for music, uh, like that's a different story, you know, because like, you know, going back to what we said, like a long uh, further back in the podcast, it's like, what were you doing at the time? Were you fucking 12 years old? And, you know, like your dad got arrested and that's a record that you heard playing. So it means a lot more, you know? So like the, 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 the music is a little bit different. Like I, there's nothing that's going to come out now that will, 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 that will, that I'll say, that blows damaged away. It won't happen, you know, because that's the record I love, you know? But I'm just from like the the skateboarding and the and the graffiti or whatever. It's just I see the stuff that they're doing, and it's like just from an like an outside view of like understanding how it works. Like it's way more, it's way more extreme, you know. Like it's way, it's just way more, you know. I mean, you can't. How much more extreme can you get with music, you know? Like. I think we're at the peak. We we've been at the peak. What what's the peak of extreme fast music? Like I don't know, like fucking Christian or or I don't know, Dimu Borgir, these bands that are just hyper blasting for ten minutes, you know? It it's just but it doesn't have for me, it doesn't have the same you know, value as like DRI dealing with it, which is fast, but like I, w- I remember getting that record. I remember when I played it, I remember how I felt, you know, like it's a, you know, but, but like, you know, with people now, like I have younger, I have like cousins and stuff and I talk to them about, you know, the records they like and how they feel. And it's the same, like they feel the same as I did, you know, back then that I felt about damaged or, or fucking, uh, the, you know, the plastic surgery disasters, they feel the same way about whatever band now. 
you know, the dead Kennedys or whatever doesn't mean much to them, you know? Yeah. Or they, or they just like have moved on to another thing culturally. Like they're just into video games or they're into some other distraction. That's just completely different than music. But like you're saying, there's still something like when I was introduced to no comment, it was played to me. And someone was like, this is the fastest band you'll ever hear in your life. Mm. And I still feel that, like, I still feel like there are bands that are like, you know, they might be playing more BPM, but in terms of control and taking it, like there, there felt like there was a, a limit that was reached. Like you're saying with, with stuff where you might be able to go faster, but it's not going to have that same sort of control and still be, still be hardcore, I guess. It's, it's, I think for me, it's like soul, you know, like for instance, like, you know, you, okay excruciating terror they're mm. fast but if you listen to the music and you, and you really like close your eyes and listen they've got soul there's a groove behind it and you can you can kind of bob your head to their blast beat you know no comment had that too it's got a lot of soul it's got a lot of feeling and it's got a lot of groove even though it's stop start quick you know different beat different beat back to the fast beat like it still flows, you know, because there's a, a million bands that can do like Dimu Borgir. I use that band because or Immortal, like it's just fast, you know. Like I don't get any, I don't get any soul out of that stuff, you know. Like it's just fast. It's fast and it's got a lot of stamina, and it and it they can blast for like two minutes, and then switch it up and then do another two minute blast, you know. Yeah, but, like no. I don't, feel anything from them you know like i feel something from like excruciating terror or or no comment you know yeah like it almost like at that speed to me becomes almost just like ambient like it's just like a wall of speed whereas so i don't feel how fast it is yeah there's no there's no like when when no comment does it like in quick spurts it has more impact you know mm -hmm. doing it all the time you know like it's just part of the part of your thing i guess i don't know you know it's like if your fucking mom never yells but when you fuck up she fucking screams up <laughs> yeah you're like oh shit fucking straighten this shit out yeah or like when you're listening to like a really slow sludge band and when that chord change finally comes like oh my god it, it's like you, a. you heard that band um un un no <laughs> out man as far as like the slow stuff because i I mean, like, I, I love that shit. Obviously, I put up with Grief Records and, like, Cattle Press or whatever. Like, like I like the, the slow stuff, the Funeral Doom stuff. And that band, out of, like, everything I've heard in the last, I don't know, 10 years, they, they, they're they fucking getting it, dude. But that shit is good. Very good. I love that stuff, too, because I'm schooled by you, so I'm writing that down. Yeah. I'll, I can do without, and I, I talked to the singer, and I told him this, too, because I'm not talking shit, but, like, I can do without the long intros, you know what I mean? Where mm. it's like, and then it does that for, like, four minutes. Like, if you just get to it, you know, like, if, the, if I cut those things out, they're very good. It's a very good band. Very emotional. They 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 kind of capture, like, what what a lot of bands just can't with that, like, it's like sorrow music, you know, like it's just, it's heavy, heavy, heavy emotionally, not like, and heavy, you know, sonically, but like just emotionally it's heavy. 
Well, that's what I loved about grief and like even that I hate God stuff too. Like there's just so oh. much like pain in those lyrics and, and yeah. that music. Yeah. That, that I hate God, man. I fucking, they just, those record. I mean, needed for pain and dope sick for me. Those are the, my favorites, you know? And, um, and then grief, you know, like fucking, you know, everything that they did up until they stopped being grief and started being something else was lots of fucking banger songs. I wish more people would. I mean, that's a band too, though, that like, it's like a, it's not for everyone. That's for sure. <laughs> like, There's a certain, there's a certain, uh, a certain type of people that like that band, you know, I think I, were thrown off like um with the pessimizer stuff when i put out grief because it's so much different you know but like not so much if you really think about it because it's coming from the same same thought process it's just it's just played slower you know well that's what i loved about pessimizer is that there was like a sampling of you know you had the sludge stuff from grief but you also had like the speed also covered and then 16 with just the groove it yeah. was it, it was like a whole kind of plethora of extreme music yeah and like or, or like a band like division where like catchy i mean that what's left of us record like i was i was almost sure that that band was going to get really big because it's so it's so catchy and she's got such a good good voice like it reminds me of like she her vo- vocals remind me of like pat benatar not trying, not trying to be, you know, just like that's her tone, you know, and like the songs were super catchy and like they look good as a band. I mean, it just they it was rad. Yeah, they went on <laughs> that band went on tour with like Los Crudos and and someone else I can't remember, uh, uh way fucking back in the day. After what's left of us came out, they they were on that tour and then. Then they put out the next record and then they broke up. But like, I, I, I always thought that they would be like, um, like they, they had a chance to get more, more popular, you know, because the, cause the songs are so good and they're, and, and every one of those guys would tell you, I'm not a musician. You know what I mean? Like I'm not a musician, but they just could write good songs, you know? I feel the same way with Dropout too by 16. Like that record, like obviously it's huge and looked upon as being one of the legendary records that came out of that time period. But like that record should have been a hit. Yeah, we sold a lot of those records. But um, yeah, like, yeah, all the, I mean, I, st- I got into 16 off that first double seven inch, the, the door prize record. And like, I heard it on the radio. I got to shout out the Pat Delaney, this Huntington Beach guy he went to school with your your boy in um rage against the machine but now he lives in brooklyn but he had a punk radio show out here he played it and i was like fuck dude what the fuck is that that's fucking good so we went to the record a record store in huntington beach and they had it and i bought it and i'm like fuck so i wrote them and next thing you know we're fucking just fucking hanging out you know and like and that was my introduction to them. I used to go see them play like at this Bogart's club in Long Beach and the Jabberjaw in South Central. They used to play there a bunch too. And that was kind of like when grunge was first starting to happen and, and all that AMREP stuff was going on, like Helmet and Hammerhead and, oh, geez, uh, or, uh, uh, what was that band called? Like uh, Helios Creed and all these bands. 
And they, out of all those bands, maybe except for like Helmet, but like out of all those bands, they really were like, they stood the fuck out, you know, like they were just harder, they were tighter, they were just more angry. And and then Puss had got involved and he put out that that um that curves a kick record and a bunch of like those fan club records was seven inches. And then we did, you know, I used to go to all their practices and then we did dropout. And um there's so many, like every song on there is great, you know. Like I just I thought like fuck, this is like this needs to be bigger, you know. Like I I mean I almost during our like working relationship, if you want to call it that, I almost felt like like they're they deserve something bigger than what I can do, you know. And like we we got when it was time to re- was kind of time to record Blaze of Incompetence. Like I was talking to them, like I want to do your next record, and when they agreed, I was I was so stoked, dude. Like I just because I know that they could have done something maybe with something bigger, and like. I was like, fuck, let's do it, man. So like I got, we got, we hired Alex Newport from Fudge Tunnel to engineer that record. And it was a, it was a great uh, move to do that because that those songs are, are fucking good or they're great. And that, and his engineering and production, you know, like abilities. And this was a little bit early on in his career. He's done some big stuff, but, um, that record sounds fucking amazing. You know, it's like, I was there the whole time when they were recording that. And like, I just like, he did a great job. The songs are fucking killer. And yeah, fucking awesome. That record, that record's sick. It looks good. It's fucking sounds great. Yeah. And they, they were like, they went on tour as Slayer. Like it felt like they were just not meant for that time period like if they had come out at a different time period that thing would both those records are just so classic yeah i was i went to a couple of those slayer shows and um that was that was weird that i just i I felt that like i mean it's great it was great for them but i just felt it, it was weird it didn't fit or whatever um i thought at the time people were like there was some major labels looking at them you know and um but like, you know, it didn't happen, but like, then, then, you know, then later on, I mean, we, we did a, I booked them a tour on, um, fuck, I can't remember. It might've been, it might've been blaze of incompetence. We went, we, we drove a fucking RV. We bought an RV from some fucking fire fireman in orange County, some like 1972 Winnebago or something. <laughs> and two of those guys flew to to Worcester, Massachusetts, and me, the singer, and the Phil, the guitar player, Phil from Despise, he played in that band. As he was a guitar player in that band, um, and I think the drummer was four of us. We drove that fucking RV from Inglewood to Worcester, Massachusetts, without with nonstop. It took us like three and a half days to get there to start that tour, and then there was always shit that happened along the way. But, anyways, the, the RV broken axle and we had to fucking rent a van and all this shit but that was we they toured on that blaze of incompetence record i think it was from 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 boston down to florida back through played with fucking unrun phoenix played with like i think we played with hogjaw in new orleans it was a good shows you know Mm -hmm. um 
but like I, I, I always thought that like they should be doing something bigger than that, you know. It, it felt like that whole scene should have been bigger, you know. Like I hate God, like like Unra, like there's just like this so many good bands that don't necessarily fit into any like subgenre. <laughs> but the they're music- just musicianship on that Unra, that setting fire to sinking ships record. Fuck man, that shit's sick. It's yeah. so good. It's so fucking good. And it's so under the radar, you know? Like I I don't know, man. Like I it, it's like it's like it's like like fool's luck or whatever what what shit gets noticed, you know? Like I just I don't know. I, I tried to like do not that Unro was like fuck, we want to go on t- tour with Corn, dude, or whatever, but like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just felt like more people should like this because it's so good, you know? Well, that's the thing. Like, I feel like maybe a lot, of, a lot of people did like it, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. You know, and we sold records and we did this, but like, like the, to get to that next step, you know, like I wanted that for like all the bands that I was dealing with, because like, why wouldn't you want more people to hear what you're saying? You know? Well, I think that's the thing. And like, maybe, you know, more from dealing with it on a label side of mine. In fact, I'm sure you do, but like, I think punk bands, hardcore bands, bands that come from this kind of world aren't willing to make the sort of compromises and eat the kind of shit you need to, to, yeah. to, to get to that next level. Like, you know, to be the first of four on a metal tour endlessly mm-hmm. for two or three years. And then, you know, like all that kind of legwork that sucks mm-hmm. that, you know, playing with bands that suck because they've got an audience that maybe you can cross over to like as someone who's been in a band that's tried to do that stuff at different times, it, it's brutal and soul yeah. destroying. And I think that's what a lot of bands are just like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. As far as like the like despise, we've never given a fuck about any of that shit. I, yeah. I, still, I give, I give less of a fuck now than I did 10 years ago. I'm just like, <laughs> whatever, dude, you don't want to fucking like, I just don't care. You know, like I, yeah. I understand how dumb a lot of shit is, you know, and I'm just like, I don't care. I mean, we don't have, and we don't even have like uh, appealing music to most people, you know, but like some of those bands that, that were on Pessimizer, like 16 or Divisia, like they should have, they, I, I, I thought they been a little bit bigger, you know, I mean, 16's kicking ass now. They're doing all kinds of stuff, you know, like, um, well, they got like several full lengths on relapse. You know, they're always playing shows and uh, like, I mean, Bobby's like the only guy that's, I don't even know those other guys. I know Bobby very well. And, um, uh, Chris, the old singer. Um, and they, they're like, you know, I consider them really good friends, you know, and I hope they continue to, you know, do whatever the fuck they want to do, you know, whether it's like, I mean, it's like different when you're like a little getting a little bit older. It's like, you can't go on, on tours for like three months, you know, like you just can't do it. You know, mm-hmm. and like you, you start introducing like kids and shit into the mix. So yeah, you can do it. And like let everything else in your life fall apart. And then when no one listens to your band anymore, you just, you're just fucked. You know, like, <laughs> just, you know what I mean? You got to like prioritize shit, you know? I mean, it's not, I'm not 17, you know? Well, and like you said about 16, like 16, it's almost like this, this brand of quality that's bigger than the membership of the band because the, the band has had different lineups at all different times, right? Like there's one where I think Phil was leading the band for a while before Chris came back and before Bobby came back. Yeah. I think that 
I think one, okay, so that they put out a, a record. Um, I only had it on on like several different C, CDRs, but I think the full length is Zoloff Smile. That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, and that's like I think it's three different recording sessions. And I always talk to not always, but I talked to when I talked to Phil. I'm like those songs if they were recorded properly in the same session all you know that is a fucking banger ass record because there's so much good shit on that record but i think what happened was uh they had booked a tour to put to support that record and the singer i don't know if he got busted or or something happened and phil had to phil said fuck it i'm not scrapping the tour because of this i've worked so hard on it I, I'm just I'm, I'm I might not be totally correct here, but like mm. I think then he did the vocals on that tour. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some there's some fucking bangers on that record for sure. Oh shit, that song Damone. I know I know Phil wrote those lyrics. It's all lyrics. It's all quotes out of that Fast Times at Ridgemont High movie. <laughs> That's because awesome. that, Damone is that scumbag that was scalping tickets. To like voice or cold or whatever the fuck cheap trick or some shit i don't remember <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah uh, this has been awesome and i've kept you forever chris and i gotta say anytime you want to come back on here and talk about anything music wise you know the door yeah. is always open yeah i'm sure we left some stuff out that's for sure but well, well one of the things i wanted to ask you before you go so yeah. Are all those KXLU sessions, like I think there's an Infest one, I know there's a No Comment one, was that your guys' radio show? No, those, those two, we did, a. me and Phil did a bunch of them. Those two were done by that guy I told you about, Pat Delaney. Now lives in Brooklyn, but he's a Huntington Beach asshole. And um, those were his shows. He did, he had fucking No Comment, Man is a Bastard, Infest, um fuck man he had or like you know like we were talking about antioch arrow i think antioch arrow was on the show because i i i saw them uh in his garage like <laughs> after they played that or, or before they played his radio show it was called his radio show was called uh the full-throated ordeal and and like i've told a bunch of people like that guy is super important to this whole like socal power violence thing and he's no one even talks about him because he doesn't care i mean or doesn't care he's he's out of it you know like he's not in the mix but like he his that show was like very influential in, in connecting people and you know like or, or it's kind of like the same like well we had that hour of the goat show it's like you know the bands that formed out of the show me and phil did was like gasp crom despise you um flame retarded there was a bunch of bands that met we we made connections during that show that then we later recorded stuff you know? yeah like well, like you were saying with dr demento and and ronnie on the rock like these radio shows are just so important in broadcasting out to people that you know like, they're like sending out road flares yeah oh yeah big time like yeah there's you know, like uh, we, we, uh, that, that radio show, show we were doing was like, 
it was there was a, a a death metal show on a commercial station in LA called Manic Metal. We went on right after them, and like we were the underground version of that show. And like I know we didn't have like rating systems at the college or whatever, but I know that everyone that was for that KNEC show, they immediately switched over when when we got on the air to listen to what we were playing because it was all demos all like demos and seven inches and and shit that that went on to like talking about like this is like 91 too we were playing like fucking emperor satiricon all this you're right it was pen pals with those guys you know like writing them rotting christ all this like total evil shit you know like and we were playing them on our show (laughs) yeah yeah, because there was kind of more just like an extreme music underground than more specifically like a, well, I, I, there obviously was a punk and metal underground, but I mean like the the tape trading circuit, especially by that point, it feels like it was, you know, like Slapham's putting out death metal records. And like you're saying, you're communicating with black metal people. Slapham put up that Anarchist record, which is a fucking banger. That's a death metal record all the way. It's yeah. a split, right? They also did the, uh, it's a split, right? I think. Yeah. Monastery. Mexico. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was always down with the, the fucking. I mean, I like, I, like I said, we I started listening to Celtic Frost shit and whatever back in the day, and like it, it had a, it had an impact on me, you know, like, like melding it with the punk stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like a direct lineage on in, in Switzerland to like fear of God, you know, in the same way there's that <laughs> nausea connection to to i guess despise you in in la or the terrorizer connection i guess through nausea yeah or venom welcome to hell it's like it had the same impact as like morbid tales where i was like god damn like it sounds so like i didn't realize at the time it's like very european you know like it, it's like with celtic frost there was like a little bit better musicianship or attention to that stuff but like it was so fucking heavy like that record is so heavy even that record is what was that record like 84 or 584 or something and yeah. like today it's still heavy you know like it's a heavy record it's it's like a big sounding heavy riff heavy record you know and, and then like welcome to hell was like like shitty and dirty and like like the timing is fucked up and you know it's like it's like when i first heard um a uh, crucifix like I'm like, yeah, this fucking. Uh, I got the. I got a cassette of that record, and I'm like, I'm like, S is badass, but like that fucking singer is, he's so off, you know. Good, like, fuck, dude, that guy is no timing at all. I don't. I, he's he's in front, he's behind, he's like catching up, like <laughs> he's out of breath. I don't know, but it's it worked for them, you know, and it sounds good, you know. You know what I'm talking about, right? He's so. Oh yeah fucking like i don't know if he if he did it correct or if he did it in time it might have might not have the same impact you know like you were saying earlier with that black flag record i don't mean to keep going back to it but in the same way there's sort of like this you know like it'd be really hard to make a record sound evil now or add make it sound sinister because there's sort of this i don't know there's just like in the same way i was watching uh, that movie x that horror film with my wife and uh-huh. I'm just thinking, there's no way this is going to be nearly as scary as renting just like some random VHS was, just because the grain on the VHS and yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it, it just felt sinister and it felt like something you shouldn't something verboten yeah you like rent those videos and you're like fuck man some pedophile probably rented this shit dude i don't even want to touch it you know <laughs> yeah. yeah where's this thing been <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> there, there there's like a, yeah like now it's uh you know it's all through amazon and it's all through uh spotify and it's just it's a very different sort of relationship to it than when you're like getting it through a friend of a friend and it it feels so much more illicit yeah i mean they like it like everything now is like i'm not mad i mean everything now is so instant Mm -hmm. you just like the span bang there you go like back in the day, that me and that kid, the the guy that had the Celtic Cross shit all over his shoulder, we would we would take buses to go to skate spots. We would go to Venice High, skate the Venice Banks, go wherever the fuck, all over the place. If we saw some kid, like with like a fucking, I don't know, Beyond Possession shirt on, out uh, random, like we'd get off the bus and talk to him, like, hey, what's up? What's your name? What do you, you know, and talk to him about like when is this record coming out or whatever? Cause we just, we didn't have any information, you know, now it's just like, you just, you just search on the internet and you have everything you need to know. To be fair, <laughs> if I saw someone with a beyond possession shirt today, I'd get off the bus to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, yeah, like I just, I, 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 we just didn't know anything about anything, you know, like I, I just, I didn't know when records were coming out. Like I, I mean, that that suicidal record, the first one, like I was skating uh, a Westchester, the Westchester Park Municipal Pool. And I heard people talking about that this record's coming out. And, and I was like, oh, what the fuck? You know, like they were like talking all this shit. And like and there was a poster hanging up at Soundstations Records of the that says De- debut LP out now. And it's the front cover. It's black and white. Big ass poster. And I got the record there when it came out and I was bugging that guy to give me the poster. And he was like shining me on. And eventually he said, fuck it here. You can have it. And I still have it. The original poster for that record. I mean, they probably, they might only done like a hundred copies of that poster, you know? Yeah. Thick though. Like, I mean, it's, it's fucked up, you know, like my friends drew on it and all this shit. I had it in my room, but um, I still have it. that's awesome that's that's awesome um have you ever thought about reprinting all the pessimizer zines or putting into a book like obviously that's very so popular now with zines yeah no i I don't i think it's fine to let those things die you know yeah Yeah. i don't i don't i don't think that way a lot on some stuff you know and and like it's best to just let them let them die i i actually some of them i hope they they're all destroyed and never to come back <laughs> it's a different era you know like things are different now, you know? yeah um i wanted to ask you uh when was the first time you met the people from dystopia and kind of made that connection the first time i met dystopia well we had them on our radio show um shit dude that's a it's that's a good question i can't really remember i, I the grief seven inches where I was introduced to them. I, I knew like that band carcinogen, like that kind of was shared members of dystopia. Um, but that was like my first exposure to dystopia. Then they played on their, our radio show. And then we hooked up that fuck. What was first? I think we hooked up. We, we put that song on the cry now comp. And then we did that split with um, suffering Luna. 
but yeah, it just but I, I don't I don't really remember like I might have I might have written them like I might have written what was it? it was called misanthropic records that was mouse from dystopia's label he put that out he put out that grief split and um it came with a razor blade too right the first press fucked up and rusty too <laughs> <laughs> tell you about something that doesn't exist in this era yeah I, and then i i just i think that's where i met them from pen pals and, and then they played on the radio show and then we put out a couple records and it's another band that's just like fuck man like very unique it's just unique, unique guitar playing. The drummer's, I mean, he's sick. Like, he's, he's sick in, like, a shitload of different band, you know, Dino. Mm-hmm. You know, like, listen to that, listen to that Asunder, uh, that that whited uh, Sepulcher record. That is, like, the best, that's, that's the best doom, funeral doom song ever, in my opinion. Like, I've, I've told him that several times. I'm like, dude, like, that record is that song is it's the graves at sea split with asunder. It's asunder's side. It is that's epic. It's amazing, an amazing song. It's so sad and emotional, and just fucked, you know. Like, but still like grooving at the same time here and there. It's I've told him that several times. He's like, yeah. And then like he did more stuff after that with asunder. And then I remember he, I'm like, why don't you fucking do more shit? And he's like, uh. I, he goes, this shit became like a fucking art project, dude. <laughs> they just like, um, like, um, cellos and shit or something like that. They started to put more like instrumentation into like intros or whatever it was. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. You do your thing. You, you made a, you made a, a landmark record in my eyes, you know? Yeah. No, there's definitely, and, and you know, like you're saying, you know, also the stuff you did with Nuth Crush after that, and then is that new Dead Form set tape is so sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a special type of musician, dude. Like, very very good. I mean, there's so there's so many of those people. Like, he's not buried, but I'm saying like, there's so many of those people buried in like in like the 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 music scene, you know, where it's like you know, guitars, like bass players or whatever, you know, they're just, they're, they're super good and they're very creative and they just don't, it never, no one ever like, like, uh, they never get any like recognition, like proper recognition. Not that, not that they're asking for it. I'm sure Dino doesn't give a fuck who recognizes him, you know, like I know him, you know, but like, it's it's important there's a lot of this stuff super important you know i mean it's important to it's still important to like kids now like i like these guys i these inglewood um kids that were in like a apathetic youth i don't know if you've heard of them or 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 final draft you know like they it means something to them like like decades later you know Mm -hmm. and like pretty rad you know yeah, and I think even Dystopia now is like talk about a band that's had a, a second life. Like, my brother was dropping his kid off at elementary school, and there was like an eighth grader wearing a Dystopia shirt. Like, it feels like they are now being one of these bands that is being rediscovered at this time period. Yeah, yeah, and that's a band that'll never get back together. I'll promise you that. <laughs> it just that we um, we printed some stuff with the the singer guitar player of Dystopia. He runs a print shop up in. Up in San Francisco, does a bunch of killer stuff. 
Um, that's how that's that's how we printed that Suffering Luna record was with him because it's it's got that faded like I think it's called a split fountain where you print in two or three different colors and it, and they kind of blend into one another. You know, but that was because of him. Yeah, it looks know? so it's, sick that cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they someone reissued that record. It repressed it or whatever. I think yeah. did they didn't they misanthropic like um like uh, maybe dystopia did I think maybe they did I think uh tank crimes is gonna or uh, not sorry uh to live a lie is gonna reissue the um despise you crom record oh sick. That's, that's awesome that's, I, think, I think that's what he he mentioned that to Phil the guitar player so um yeah that'd be cool I mean that record's been out of print for fucking since the fifties so. <laughs> you know, time. Yeah, we're just um, we're fucking um, we're gonna play a show in LA pretty soon, and then we're gonna hopefully we we'll we'll be going to Australia too, like in May or something like that. We're work, we're working on that right now. Well, I gotta ask you, like you know, and this probably is fairly obvious, but are you grateful that you kind of got back together and and did decide to do this live, or that it did wind up becoming because it's sort of like a completely different band than it was the first time around. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, um, I feel very fortunate to be able to like go to far away places and play mm-hmm. and people love it or people, the people that are there are into it. And um, we get to travel all over the place, you know, and, and um, I don't take it for granted. And, and I mean, we're, do we, we sleep, we still sleep on people's floors, you know, like there's no fucking, it's punk, you know, there's no question. It's like, it's like, we're big enough to play in everywhere we want to play, but we're not big enough to be comfortable. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's how I sum it up. It's like a lot of floors, a lot of whatever, but like, that's, that's, that's fine with us for now. You know, yeah, you can't do it forever. That's for sure. You know, but like going to like, like, I never thought I would be in Europe. I never thought I'd be in Japan or, wherever the fuck, but we did it, you know, and now, now we're trying to do, trying to do uh, Australia and then, uh, and then later a little bit after that, South Korea and Japan, and then we'll see what's up, you know, they got, they're writing new songs here and there too. And um, we'll see if we record something else. I'm not sure yet. Uh, It has to be exactly perfect if I'm going to put it out, you know, I'm not going to just put out a record, you know? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm grateful that you guys got back together because I got to see you twice. Um, since did you go to that Toronto skate, skate park, skate ramp type show or no, I saw you you guys in with trash talk in Portland. We played a festival, like a big, like, you know, citywide festival thing. Yeah. And, uh, then I saw you also, we played a festival together in LA one time. I'm trying mm. to remember what it was called. It was like a two-day, three-day thing. Um, mm. And it was just, yeah, like I feel really fortunate to have gotten to see you guys because I feel like, like I was saying off the top, like it was a band, I remember getting, you know, the singles. It was just a band that had the sort of like perfect vibe and to see it kind of come out live finally and, and it live up to that was just, uh, yeah, awesome. That's good, man. I appreciate that. Well, I appreciate this, Chris. And anytime you want to come back here, please, please know you're always welcome. We'll do it, man. And if I'm, uh, if we, if we get back up to the uh, Canada, we'll, we'll definitely fucking 
hang out and um, chop it up. Thank you, Chris, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Chris will be back for a part two at some point in the future. But until that point, um, enjoy this one, I guess. Happy Tank Crimes Day. Thank you to Scotty for making it happen. Thank you to Chris Estrada for the assist. And then thank you to Noah Gagke for doing that interview way back when. Because I always thought way back when it'd be so much fun to interview the guy from Despise You. And here we are. Tank Crimes Day miracles. Uh, coming up on the next episode of Turned Out of Punk. I think I'm going to bid out two this week. Uh, this uh, Last year, Alexis on Fire put out a fantastic record that I really enjoyed. I've had a few episodes with different members on uh, uh, leading up to this. So next week, I will have on part two with Wade McNeil. And coming on for the first time, Ratbeard. That's right, Jordan from Alexis on Fire will be on the show. And we, uh, both these episodes are fantastic. In the Jordan episode, I get to find out more information about a band that I have wondered about since I was a young child, Hood Rat. That's right. Alexis on Fire and Hood Rat. Next week is, is, uh, is a good one. I'm excited for you to hear it. That's it for me. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter and the lives and issues of indigenous peoples all over the world matter. We need to protect trans kids and help trans people protect themselves and their rights and stop hate and violence towards people of different races and different faiths. Because what we're talking about here, these aren't political issues. These are basic human rights issues. People deserve to be able to live free from hatred and oppression. So if there's organizations that are doing good work in this world that you feel like you want to support, do it. There's, don't let something hold you back. Help, help affect the change you want to see in this world. Donate time, money. Uh, you know, get, get involved. Uh, speaking of, uh, oh, and another issue, you know, we got to make sure people keep their hands out of other people's uteruses and telling them what to do with their reproductive systems. I would add that as a basic human rights issue as well. Uh, get involved in the punk scene, start a band, start a fanzine. Look, you can be nominated for a Grammy. You'd be doing Taco Bell commercials. You could, you could be set for life, or you could just wind up producing something that no one knows about, but has an impact on people that you've never met. You know, that's the great thing about hardcore. It happens on all scales and punk. It happens on all scales. So start a band, start a fanzine, do something. Speaking of doing something, try meditation. I didn't believe in it, you know, like a fool. And then I tried it and it started working for me. So maybe it'll work for you too. You know, just give your brain a break. It's very easy. Sometimes it takes a little bit to kind of get used to, but once you start getting used to it, it really is beneficial. I promise you. Well, at least for me, maybe it won't be for you, but who knows until you try. Who knows until you try. Uh, sign your organ donor cards because by the time they come looking for those organs, you're like, fuck, I don't need this shit. I'm dead. Well, you're practically dead at that point. They take those organs and they give life to someone else. I've seen it happen. I've seen it with my own eyes. And that is it for me. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, I will see you on the next episode. <laughs>